Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here. My name is Tim Park. I serve as our lead pastor. If this is your first time here at our church, a special welcome to you on this wonderful, beautiful Sunday morning. It's a busy time for our church. It's an exciting time, a lot of important dates. And I want to draw your attention to the date of November 19th. Mark this on your calendars. November 19th is an opportunity for you to be baptized. If you've not yet publicly declared your faith through baptism, we encourage you to sign up to be baptized on November 19th. And that day after our baptism services, we're going to celebrate together as a church family. We're having our E-Free Family Friendsgiving Feast. That means a turkey meal with all the fixings, and that's on November 19. Look forward to a special celebration on that day. All right. I look out here, and I see many of you were here last night at our trunk or treat. Wasn't that an amazing event? Yes. Now, calling it a trunk or treat, that's like an understatement. I mean, this was an incredible event. Uh, we, we packed our parking lot. There are 26 cars with just elaborately decorated trunks, and we had face painting, music. We had corn dogs and popcorn and caramel apple, all free for our community. And we counted. We passed out 420 wristbands. That means 420 guests from our community came. That's not including all the volunteers from our church. So thank you, church family, for an incredible event last night. And I was just thinking, well, boy, that's a hard act to follow next year. So get ready. Start planning your trunks <laughs> for 2024. Well, who here has been to Yellowstone National Park. Can I see your hands? Wow, a lot of you, okay? So many of you have been to Yellowstone National Park. Personally, I've not been there yet. It's a bucket list item. But if you've been to Yellowstone National Park, how many of you saw Old Faithful? Good. So most of you who raised your hand, who said you went to Yellowstone National Park, you saw Old Faithful. Hopefully you saw Old Faithful erupt. Now, Old Faithful... This geyser was discovered back in 1870. And since its discovery, it has erupted over a million times. That's a lot of eruptions. And the average height is anywhere from 130 to 140 feet. That is tall. It's gone upwards of almost 180 feet, I'm told. And each eruption can last anywhere from a couple minutes to like five minutes. Spectacular from what I hear. Now, did you know the reason why it's called Old Faithful is because the prediction rate of each eruption is about 90% accurate. That's pretty accurate. So no wonder it's called Old Faithful. And on average, it erupts 20 times every day. In other words, you can count on Old Faithful. It's nice to be able to count on things, right? I like counting on things. I like it when I can count on things and when I can count on people. That's why people love their pets, right? No matter how bad your day was at work, when dog owners go home, they can count on being greeted with love and loyalty 
and a wagging tail. Well, today we're going to talk about this idea of faithfulness. This is week two in our series, The Transforming Power of Thankfulness. And today I've titled my message, Thankful People Are Faithful People. Thankful people are faithful people. And today we're going to see that a heart of thankfulness strengthens faithfulness. A heart of thankfulness strengthens faithfulness. Faithfulness in our homes. Faithfulness in our responsibilities throughout the course of the week. And yes, faithfulness in our church community. If you were here last week, you might remember we said that kindness begins with God. Biblical kindness always begins with God. And in order for us to demonstrate kindness in the biblical sense, we must be filled with the Spirit. Because kindness is a manifestation of a life filled with Spirit. Well, did you know that faithfulness is also a manifestation of being filled with the Spirit? Galatians 5, verse 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Now, there are certain words that come to our minds when we hear the word faithful, right? Steadfast, trustworthy, loyal, dependable, reliable. We've already talked about geysers. We've already talked about pets. If you traveled all the way to Yellowstone National Park, and you waited and waited and waited for Old Faithful to erupt, and it never erupted, you'd be disappointed. If that was you, don't tell me about it. Okay, don't tell me. I'm just going to believe that you saw Old Faithful erupt. If you went home, dog owners, and your dog only greeted you at the door once out of every 10 times, you'd be sad. But you see, that's why Old Faithful is called Old Faithful. We can count on it. That's why dogs are our best friends. We can count on our pets. That's why I appreciate In-N-Out Burger. Because no matter which In-N-Out I go to, my animal-style hamburger is exactly the same. No matter which one I go to. It is dependable. It is reliable. I can count on it. Think about it. Nobody wants to go to a restaurant hoping, oh, I hope the food is edible. That's ridiculous. We want to go where we can count on the food being good. You want to count on things in your life. And we want to be able to count on things day after day, month after month, year after year. Year. And that is why, church, this morning, I want to communicate to you that faithfulness and longevity go hand in hand. Faithfulness and longevity go hand in hand. Did you know that nobody says to you on your first day at a new job, wow, you are so dependable and reliable? Why? Because everybody looks good on their first day at, job, at the job. Everybody is faithful. Everybody arrives early their first day of work. No. It's when your boss 
or your coworker comes up to you after five years on the job, or after seeing you 10 years on the job, or 20 years at that same job, is when they come up to you and say, you know, you are so faithful. You are so reliable. You are so dependable that that actually means something. Well, the Apostle Paul, he talked much about this idea of faithfulness throughout his letters. And not only did he talk about it, he lived it. And it was toward the end of his, end of his life. He was sitting in a cold, damp prison cell. He was facing certain death at the hand of the emperor Nero at that time. And as he was approaching his final days of living, he picked up his pen and he wrote the second letter of Timothy. So whenever you open up to the book of Timothy, just keep in mind that what you're reading are, in essence, Paul's final words. And he wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy. And his last words were to encourage him and to encourage all of us to remain faithful. I'm going to invite you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to spend some time here. 2 Timothy 4. I'll start by reading verse 2, and then we'll pause, and then I'll read a few more verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says this. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Paul instructs Timothy to preach the word in season and then out of season. When we choose fruit, we like to find fruit that is what? In season. Nobody, and I mean nobody, likes to eat grapes when they're out of season. It's like sour grapes is like the worst thing to eat. But when you find grapes at the peak season, crisp, cold, sweet, you found something precious. Now, Paul says to Timothy, preach the word no matter if it's in season or out of season. And what that means is this. Timothy, preach when the waters are smooth and ministry is going well, and everybody's happy. And then Timothy, also be ready to preach the word through the storms when ministry is difficult, when there's a lot of bumps along the way. In other words, Timothy, be faithful to God's word. Now, of course, this passage has significance to me as a pastor, But did you know that this passage extends to all believers when we begin to understand the Greek word preach? The word preach in the original Greek language simply means to publish or proclaim openly. Publish or proclaim openly. So yes, that can be done from the stage on a Sunday morning, holding a microphone in a monologue format. 
And that's what we're often used to when we hear the word preach. But did you know that this passage can extend to those days when you are in the coffee shop sitting across the table from a fellow church member encouraging each other? Did you know that this passage can actually apply to your life group setting? As you sit around in a circle and you exhort one another with God's word. Did you know that this passage can even extend to your dinner table at home as you sit around and you encourage your family with godly wisdom? And did you know that this can even extend to a conversation with a stranger in the market? Again, if we understand that word, preach, to publish or proclaim openly, I'm going to take it even one step further and say, if it means to publish or proclaim, did you know that you can apply this passage by writing a book? Maybe some of you might want to write a book and proclaim God's truth. Maybe as you write a Facebook social media post and you proclaim the goodness of God, did you know that you can even extend this passage? You artists out there, you musicians, you songwriters, you can write a song and publish and proclaim openly the good news of Jesus. In other words, we can all communicate God's word to others in any number of situations. And we can use any tool available to us. These were Paul's last words to a spiritual son. And Timothy was the leader of the church of Ephesus. So for him, his responsibility was to proclaim, to publish openly the truth of God so that the leaders in his church and the congregation members would not be led astray. Paul wanted to make sure that Timothy clearly understood the importance of proclaiming God's word faithfully. And then Paul goes on to say in verses 7 and 8, look at verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now, can you just sense Paul's intensity here in his voice? I have fought the good fight. The word fight in the original Greek language is the word agona. It's a very descriptive word. To agonize. This is so descriptive. To agonize is to struggle, to face hardship, stress, endurance, and yes, even pain and suffering. Did you know that there's no easy road when it comes to the path of faithfulness? There's no easy road. There are no shortcuts. Now, we know that in the world of sports, there have been all kinds of cheating scandals over the years. In every imaginable sport, we've had athletes 
used performance-enhancing drugs illegally. We've seen athletes use illegal equipment or put illegal substances on their equipment. We've even seen judges and referees illegally determine the outcome of games before they're even played. But did you know that these cheating scandals, they don't stop at just professional athletes? Every day, normal people cheat in sports, and they cheat just all the time. Did you know that in the world of marathoning, there are everyday people who sign up for marathons, they pay money to sign up, and then they cheat. And I'll tell you how they do this, okay? It's, it's really, it's just humorous. Sometimes, and there's video footage of this, sometimes these people, they sign up for marathons, okay? Now, a marathon is 26.2 miles. It's a long distance. I mean, I don't know who would do something like that. <laughs> so, just, just, just crazy. Why are there people that sign up for marathons? And so, 26.2 miles. And so, the way some people cheat is they will tuck in under a crowd of people lining the streets. They'll just sit there or stand there. And then they'll just, as the runners run by, they'll jump out and join the race, like halfway into the race, or maybe two-thirds into the race. And they figure, wow, 26.2 miles is too long. So I'm just going to just, you know, cut off like about 20 of those miles. So they just hide, and they just sneak out. And there's video footage of them sneaking onto the course. You think that's funny? I've seen video footage of cheaters doing this. They start the race, and then they find a public bus. <laughs> they hop on the bus to catch a ride for several miles, and then they hop off and then join the rest of the runners. The problem is... These cheaters at the end of the race, they look too good. They look too fresh. They're not sweating. The thing is, nobody looks good at the end of a marathon. Everyone looks miserable. Everyone looks good at the start of a race, never at the end of it. And by the way, uh, some people like to boast, oh yeah, you know, I was in first place after one mile. And so, but the thing is, is they don't pass out medals for being in first place after one mile. I mean, can you imagine, like, you get a medal, put it on your mantle, and your friends come over, oh, yeah, you know, I was in first place after one mile. Oh, how'd you finish? Well, that doesn't matter. It's not important. <laughs> it's very important how we finish. That's why we had the saying, finish well. One author remarks that when we write people's biographies, we should start with their death, not their birth. Makes sense. Because think about it. We had nothing to do with our birth. But we certainly have a lot to do with how our life ends. Finish well. The Apostle Paul fought the good fight until the very end. And for those of you who have started the race later in life, you've started your spiritual journey later in life, that's okay. It's not too late. Doesn't matter what you've been through in the past. Finish well. You know, the Apostle Paul, he did not allow all the possible obstacles to get in the way. 
He did not allow his circumstances to derail his faithfulness to his faith. You know, if anyone had a reason to complain, it was Paul. He faced persecution. He faced, well, he was beaten. He had death threats. He survived a shipwreck. He even survived a poisonous snake bite. And yet through it all, the one thing he never did was to feel sorry for himself. You know, one of the ways that you can gauge a person's faithfulness is observe how that person responds when things don't go his or her way. I want you to do that next time. Observe how a person responds when things are not going his or her way. And that will give you an indication of that person's level of faithfulness. And this is where I want to connect these two ideas of thankfulness and faithfulness. You see, if we are consistently thankful for what God has done in our lives, then there's a much better chance that we will stay faithful. Wouldn't you agree? The more we are thankful for what God has done in our lives, the better the chance for us to remain faithful. If we spend all our time dwelling on all the negative things in our lives, then here's what's going to happen. We're going to start feeling sorry for ourselves and we'll be tempted to try to change our circumstances, whatever those circumstances might be. But if we spend so much more time thanking God for our lives, and that includes for the people in our lives, for our experiences in life, then we will become more faithful. Paul made it a point to thank God for his ministry partners. So when you open up Paul's letters, a recurring theme is he begins by thanking God for his faithful partners because he understood the more he dwells on being thankful, the more faithful he will be. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he wrote this. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You can tell how strong Paul's affection was for the Thessalonian church. He had planted the church, and his prayer was that it would become a faithful church. More than anything else, that's what he wanted for the church of Thessalonica, that it would be a faithful church church. And he knew that faithfulness was not going to happen overnight. Faithfulness has played out over many, many years. Remember, everyone looks good at the start of a race. Remember, everyone looks great the first day on a new job. Oh, and by the way, every team is undefeated at the start of the season. Right? So every baseball season, when I think about the Angels, 
when it says zero and zero, I'm like, they're undefeated. <laughs> they get my hopes up for just a few weeks. <laughs> Faithfulness takes time. On October 31st, 2011, our family arrived here at our church for the first day. So that was my first day on the job, October 31st, 2011. That means this coming Tuesday, October 31st, we'll celebrate our 12 years here at eFree Church. Yeah. You know, 12 years is not a short amount of time. It is not. 12 years is enough time to allow one to experience all the seasons of a church, including the changing colors of hair from black to gray. <laughs> 12 years is not a short amount of time. I can tell you this much. I love our church more and more with each passing day. And I can tell you this much. There are people here at our church who have been here twice as long as 12 years, and some many years more than twice as long as 12 years. When I look out there and I see some of you who have been here for 10, 20, 30, some approaching 40 years, some even 40 plus years, I'm reminded of what faithfulness truly is. I hope you know that you're sitting in a place that has a rich history. God has been faithful to our church for 56 years. 56 years. And none of us was here 56 years ago, but we're here now. He's given us a calling to steward his church faithfully. Now, it's important every now and then to, to celebrate what God's doing. And I don't want to embarrass some of you, but I want to celebrate you. So I'm going to ask you, if you've been here at our church, okay, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with a good even number. If you've been here for 10 years, at least 10 years, can I see your hands? At least 10 years. Please, I want to see your hands. I want people to celebrate. Good, good, good. If you've been here for at least 15 years, can I see your hands? Good. 20? Can I see your hands? Okay, everyone, look, look around. Keep, keep your hands up. So the, these members have been here for more than 20, 20 plus years. Do I hear 25? Look at that. Do I hear 30? Look at that. Everybody, take a look. Take a look. Where was I? Do I hear 35? Please, can I see your hands at 35? Everybody, I want you to take a very close look. 
40 years? Right there. <laughs> 40 plus years. That's a long time. That right there, all those hands that went up. Whether you've been here for five weeks, five months, five years, or 40 plus years, right now as we sit here, I hope you're reminded that God has called you to faithfully steward his church. Now the thing is this, over the years, things have changed. Styles change. Hairstyles change. I've seen pictures of some of you. I, you know, this past couple weeks ago, we, we, some of our staff members, we saw pictures of you from like two, three decades ago. It was amazing. Come see me if you want to see some of those pictures. <laughs> so hairstyles change. Clothing styles change. Everything changes. And yes, over the years, people have come and gone. But the one thing that remains constant is our faith in Jesus Christ. And no matter what stage in life you are right now, church, no matter your culture, your upbringing, your spiritual history, your life experiences, we all share that in common. And church, have I, have I told you lately how much I appreciate you? I want you to know how much I appreciate you. I thank God for you. And speaking of appreciation, I felt very appreciated throughout this month. Did you know that October is Pastor Appreciation Month? Now, okay, thank you. Now, I don't say that to give you a big hint, okay? I know, it sounds strange. Your pastor says, oh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. I found that kind of humorous. I say that because I've been so appreciated this month. I've received many letters and notes and gift cards. Uh, I've been blessed this past month, and God has really encouraged me through all of your appreciation. One day, I walked into my office here at church, and then on the door of my office, there was this. These are post-it notes from some of our children in our children's ministry. Now, you can't read all that, but I'm going to read some of these for you. Okay? Because this greeted me one morning. Dear Pastor Tim, thank you so much for teaching us to trust in God. Dear Pastor Tim, thank you for being nice. <laughs> Dear Pastor Tim, Thank you for being the pastor of our church. Dear Pastor Tim, thank you for having newcomers feel welcome and preaching the news about God. P.S. The children's ministry loves you. And, dear Pastor Tim, thank you for being such a great pastor. You are amazing, kind, funny, and wonderful. May God bless you. And then earlier this week, on Tuesday, our staff took me out to lunch. It was a special time. It was a sweet time of fellowship. We enjoyed lunch together, and then they went around the table just sharing words of encouragement. I left that lunch just feeling absolutely filled and appreciated. 
And you see, I think this past month has made me want to be even more faithful to my calling as your pastor. You see, because thankfulness, it, it leads to faithfulness. Thankfulness leads to faithfulness. If we want to be more faithful in life, if we want to be more faithful in our walk with Jesus, and who doesn't, let's, let's devote so much more of our time thanking God for the things in our lives, the people in our lives, the experiences, and yes, even the difficulties in our lives. Church, give thanks this week for the instruction and the mentoring that you've received from others in your life. This week, would you pause and think of people who God has used to mentor you, invest in your life, and thank God for them. This week, give thanks for the experiences and the opportunities that God has given to you to serve him here in your church community. This week, give thanks to God for the truth of his word that he's entrusted to you to share with others. Next Sunday, you'll have the privilege of hearing from our pastor emeritus, Pastor Mark Hopper. He's going to continue our series next Sunday with a, an important message. Now, in case you don't know what emeritus means, that title, emeritus means good-looking. <laughs> so... So next week, our good-looking pastor will share the message. Pastor Mark was in our 9 o'clock service, so I got to tell him that personally, face-to-face. -face. Some of you who are newer to our church, you don't know the history. Pastor Mark shepherded our church faithfully for 27 years as our lead pastor. Yes. And in 2015, when he passed the baton to me on this stage, he continued to serve. And he continues to serve to this day faithfully. So if you want to know what faithfulness looks like, just look at Pastor Mark Hopper. If you want to look at what faithfulness looks like, go to the patio and try to remember all the faces of those who raised their hands who've been here. And thank them. Thank them for their faithfulness. Church, I want to grow old together. <laughs> in the best sense of that term, okay? That sounded cheesy, but I want to grow old together. In the best sense of that term. And so let's encourage one another to be even more faithful in the years to come. For some, that might mean examining your heart this week and asking God, God, where are you calling me to be more faithful? Maybe more faithful to regular church attendance. Maybe more regular to my life group, to serving to ministering. It's going to be different for every one of us. But this week, may we examine our hearts and ask God, where do you want me to be more 
faithful. And I leave you with this. If I ever come up to you and say, hey, old faithful, (laughs) take that as a compliment, all right? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to our church for 56 years. And Lord, you have called us in this season of life to steward your church and to do so faithfully. So give us the courage and the strength to do just that. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.